0: Welcome to the Biology of Trauma podcast, the show that provides professionals with the knowledge and tools for effective science-based solutions for the trauma healing journey. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and I've done the hard work so you can stop your in searching have a roadmap for your own work, and be able to help others more powerfully. Welcome to this episode of the Biology of Trauma podcast. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and this episode will be about healing bracing patterns and hypervigilance on the trauma healing journey. This will be a special episode for me because I have invited Kat Dillon to share her story. And her story is one of healing bracing patterns and hypervigilance from childhood that came to a breaking point as she was driving over a bridge. She has become an important member of our biology of trauma community and has just finished her mastery level of professional training with me. Congratulations, Kat. In the show notes, I will include how you can have a biology of trauma health coaching session with her. But Kat was a chef for years and today is a registered holistic nutritionist and a functional diagnostic practitioner. And she's been training with me and so has moved into trauma coaching and is able to help women with weight and food related issues because of her training. I have asked her to share her story because in many ways, it will be your story as well. Stress that begins in childhood that we don't even recognize. Comparing our childhood to others and considering ourselves, well, better off than they. We didn't have it that bad, so we should just get over it, right? The busyness, multitasking, and thinking all day long are normal for us. We don't even realize that our body is in chronic bracing patterns and tension. And then one day, there is a straw that breaks the camel's back. And what do you do then? Well, that's what Kat is gonna share with us today. I will teach throughout her story as we follow Kat through key experiences in her childhood, yep, driving across that bridge and through her professional training. At the end, I will break it down for you. So you've seen her story, the different stages of the trauma healing journey that Kat went through and that you can move through as well to get where you want to be. What you will learn in this episode is how a biology of trauma can start without us even realizing it and how juggling a lot can be our way to avoid noticing the trauma we hold inside. How she used somatic work when breath work did not help. What it feels like to have our bracing patterns and hypervigilance relax as we start to know what to do. I'm so excited for this story. And so, hello, Kat. Welcome. Please introduce yourself.
1: I am Kat Dillon, and um, I am a registered holistic nutritionist and a functional diagnostic practitioner, uh, a trauma coach. And I help women with chronic stress and overwhelm and uh, weight and food related issues in their midlife prime. Find their own personal roadmap to resiliency and vitality in their lives and in their body. I work with women in midlife. I work with um, helping people, women, find their find themselves. Really, again, I uh, I work with the nervous system predominantly, and work with um, a lot of women that have issues with food and eating and uh, sensations of, you know, shame and guilt around food. So that's a huge part of my population that I cover. And being a former chef, I feel really um, fortunate that I'm able to bring in and feel comfortable with not just, you know, teaching people how to eat, or but also what to eat, how to make it taste great, how to take away the grind from food, making a, a good meal uh, and making things easy to do because it doesn't uh, take hours and hours and hours slaving away in the kitchen to really put together a great meal. And I love also, I love, um, you know, I know that a lot of us that are going through uh, trauma and chronic stress uh, have a uh, Food sensitivities or things, issues with food that they can't eat certain foods. Uh, I I'm actually uh violently allergic to tree nuts. So I have a, a IgE uh reaction. It's, you know, I have to carry an EpiPen with me all the time. So I understand what food fear, <laughs> I understand food fear quite a bit. Um, so a lot of what I do is uh helping people navigate the foods that they cannot eat, right? And putting together plans for them where they can still have a great food plan, meal plan, and be happy with what they're eating, despite their um, inability to eat certain foods. I think I was reared in a type of lifestyle that was juggling many different things. I was behind a stove. I was, you know, manning uh, or womaning (laughs) six different burners at the same time, looking at the tickets behind me dealing with an upset waiter who didn't get his plate or her plate out on time. Maybe I cut my finger earlier on in the evening, or maybe there is a person, a, a, a colleague or a worker that wasn't available because they were on a smoke break. So my system was always kind of attracted to the sort of hypervigilant nature. Um, so it was very difficult as, you know, I sort of grew up in kitchens and it became very difficult to turn that off, to shut off the active mind, to shut off the doing and just simply tune into my body. Yeah. So that that is this kind of my addiction to um the 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 doing and the hypervigilance that sort of uh was very I sort of needed help. I needed help to be able to come. Um, and listen to the sensations of my body listen to what it actually needed to feel more regulated and to be more regulated and to be even a nicer person to others and myself that was my life it's constantly bracing and darting fixing doing all of that making everything perfect and really the straw that broke the camel's back was my drive one day it was a beautiful day and I was driving a um a big van from with all of my stuff from San Diego to Vancouver and this was we were going back and forth at this time and we were just taking all of our stuff from San Diego and in the middle of my drive across the bridge I just suddenly just felt this hot flash of sensation of my body and I was just like sweaty and clammy and I was thought Where can I pull over? I had no idea what was going on. It was actually my first panic attack. And that is when I thought something in my life has to change. This is not a mindset issue. This is a nervous system issue. And so that is when I discovered more of the nervous system. I'm going to interrupt
0: Kat's story right there and just do a little bit of teaching because what she just shared... How this is not a mindset issue is so important. And so far in Cat's story, there has been a narrative unfolding that is a common one that I see in everyone that has come to work with me. One that speaks to this universal experience of reaching a breaking point. And so in Cat's story, the straw that broke the camel's back was this accumulation of stress and unresolved trauma that pushed her life to this place. The straw is not the end all, it's just the tipping point that has been building for years. For Kat, it was during a drive when she was moving. Now, even just that, there's a lot there that can, moving, right? Like moving can stir up memories of trauma, insecurity and instability stored in our body. But for her, this was a moment where her nervous system Burdened down by decades of bracing, fixing, perfecting, it brought it to a panic attack. And the intense physical response was a message from her body that things needed to change. This was the straw that broke the camel's back. Now, many of us live in a state of doing, busyness, and hypervigilance where we almost have this compulsion to make everything perfect in our life. And it's a manifestation of an underlying belief that everything must be okay externally in my life for me to be okay inside. And this belief system comes from our early childhood. We can have experiences in our early childhood that would have disrupted our attachment And we go through life feeling this internal insecurity, which makes us do things externally to try to feel okay inside. Now, this is what starts to lead to biology changes underneath the surface. And these biology changes are down to the cellular level and they are building for years before they finally manifest in symptoms. And that's why, as Kat says, these are not mere mindset issues. This is a nervous system issue. This is something happening on a cellular level. The panic attack that Kat experienced was not just a random occurrence. It was predictable. It was the accumulation of the biology of trauma that had been developing beneath the surface for years. And for you, it may not result in a panic attack. For you, it may result in Digestive issues, sleep issues, anxiety, lashing out at other people, it may result in skin issues, hypertension. But understanding this biology of trauma is crucial for you to recognize what it is. It is a manifestation of what has been going on underneath the surface for years and this, whatever this was for you, was just the straw that broke the camel's back. But there's been so much underneath the surface for a very long time before it finally manifests. And so can you see yourself in cat stories so far? What in your life looking back was a breaking point for you where you recognized that life could not be the same anymore? You could not live your life, continue to live your life the same way that you had been because things we're getting messy, things were getting bad, things were getting dysregulated. This becomes our pivotal moment and we have a decision to make. We each have a decision to make when this happens of, are we going to ignore these signs and just put on band-aids or are we going to recognize that this is deeper work, nervous system work down to the cellular level that we've got to address the biology, we've got to address the nervous system, regulation, rewiring, repairing, and learn how to do that. Well, that's what Kat moves into next. So what does she do after driving across that bridge after her first panic attack? How did this move her into her trauma healing journey? Let's jump back to my interview with Kat and find out.
1: After that drive across the bridge, I made a pact to myself that I was um, I was going to investigate my body. I was going to understand more about it. And I really, honestly, I didn't have a thing that I did right after that. What happened was it was I planted a seed. What was happening was that I was open. I was open to um receiving information about my body. And so what happened was, I um, was introduced to um, a podcast, it was actually a summit. And that summit was um, Dr. Amy's summit. It was Dr. Amy speaking about her, you know, it's the biology of trauma summit. And uh, she explored this subject of trauma, and it resonated so much with me. And she explained that trauma could be anything that overwhelmed the nervous system and its ability to stay regulated, and kind of like what I was saying earlier, that the stress was normal. You go through it, and your system just pops out. The stress is over and is done with, and you return to homeostasis, right? And so trauma puts the brakes on. It puts the system. Um, it numbs us. And it disconnects us from ourselves, so we can survive and push through again, push through another time. And so our bodies are designed perfectly. And I I, I also learned that the effects of stored trauma. Uh, on the nervous system and the biology. And that's the biggest piece of the, for, for me that that the biology can make us more at risk to having trauma or the effects of trauma. And so right there, it became clear that what I needed is to embody a sense now of body compassion, really understanding myself instead of beating it to oblivion and um, and to understand that I was experiencing something that was partly passed down my lineage and hardly experienced in my earlier years when I was bullied and um, running away and bracing and trying to remove things and remove you know, sensations or feelings, trying to numb them with my coping mechanisms um, that that wasn't working anymore. And so what I did was I took the 21 day journey and I wanted to learn these exercises, these somatic therapies and these exercises to, to be able to do it myself, to be able to do it and not only do it, but to be able to teach it, to be able to teach my clients because a lot of my clients have the same problem as as me or had the same problem as me. And, and it's very common for us practitioners to be able to actually attract the same types of clients that they once were or are. And so I learned in the 21 day journey, I became a mentor of that 21 day journey and did, um, a lot of Dr. Amy's other certifications on the biology piece. And so, you know, I, um, have been doing that for the last 18 months. And I can say that really my life has become so much more clear and into, an, and really a lot more aware of what my body sensations are. And really what I need to give it at that time. And I think the key thing is awareness and and I'm much less fixated on what I don't want to be feeling. And I've really begun to find more of a safe space in my body where all parts of me are welcome. And I used to really spend a lot of time in analysis paralysis, never moving forward on decisions, creating, you know, problems for myself so I can worry more and get more of a charge. These are my patterns. And so now I feel more present and more productive. And I don't worry so much about all the things that could possibly go wrong. But honestly, the unease still comes up. And really now the difference is that I can sit with it for longer and be okay with it, kind of make friends with it and notice you know where those sensations might accumulate. And I can ask my body what it needs. And sometimes it gives me a little bit of attitude. It's never the great exact answer I'm looking for, but at least I can be more of a compassionate observer. And that's really key for me. So um, so how it, how it all came to be was really kind of learning about the The term stress, right? I have never, I had never really heard of trauma, other than accidents or PTSD from like war time or victims of war, and you know, it really wasn't even on my radar um, that trauma didn't have to be uh, an event. I didn't know that stress and stress response was um, an activation or a charge of some sort. And it was something that you actually went through and then came right out of. And that trauma was a response to a stressful event or an accumulation of stress in your body that you kind of felt overwhelmed with, or you might not have the internal resources or the external resources to go through it. And so it becomes too much for the body. And I love, um, you know, a term that I've always loved is that too much for too long or too little too late. And that's where, you know, we see the body breaking down, shutting down to protect itself. And that's the really, the the biggest thing that I learned is that our bodies are doing something that is protective, is shutting things down. Because if we weren't going to shut, if it doesn't shut down, it's actually going to die. And so You know, there are things in my life that was happening in my body, and I didn't even attribute it to stress, let alone trauma. And that's how disconnected I was. And so if I were to ask myself, um, then at that time, do you feel connected to your body? How's your interoception? I would honestly answer, oh, I totally feel my body. You know, I'm a dancer. I'm an athlete. My diet's great. But I was so wrong. Everything about my life was about basically ignoring sensations, ignoring fatigue, fatigue, soreness, tiredness, disconnecting. And so, you know, that in accumulation with my attachment and neurodevelopment disruptions, um, living in fear in an alcoholic household, uh, having uh, my life threatened by a school kid, um, being bullied, um, then traumas off horses and bikes, head traumas. Um, you know, the loss that we all experience with friendships, pets, uh, and even just simple life consistency growing up was a factor in my own life trauma. And so I had things like um, irritable bowel syndrome. I had a lot of addictions to certain foods like bread. I had frequent gastritis and suffered from um, kind of a breath shortness. I had skin issues like eczema. Um, and panic attacks. Trauma for me, the word trauma for me was a little difficult because I was always feeling like, gosh, there's so many people that have experienced so many horrendous things. How is my life or my past experience? How does that measure with theirs? And I felt almost a shame, a sense of shame, to think that someone who has, um, you know, societal societal oppression, or who has been through a war, uh, or has been through a rape or a violence, um, how can that? How can I compare that to me? But what I have learned is that it's not the event. It's trauma is not the event. It's the experience that your body has, and we can be much more sensitive to these traumas when we have biochemical compromises or we have had attachment or early life experiences that compromise our biology and our nervous system. I was really afraid. I was living at home in an alcoholic household and I was very fearful of my father. Uh, my mother and I were very fearful of him. And, um, oftentimes at night, you know, he would come home late and, and there'd be a lot of commotion and there were, um, some very scary things happening. And I would hold my breath in my bed and just be braced for anything that was about to happen. And so I got myself into a pattern. And when I noticed, you know, even through my teens, if I was, let's say, um, you know, watching a movie that was intense, or I was giving a talk at school or reading something to, out loud in a class, I would automatically feel that sense of bracing, that sense of like, and like, and I had to take a deep breath. I also found that when I was getting started out in my job as a chef, as a cook then, that when things were tight and things were very chaotic, I would go into that shallow breath. Um, so it did take some work, you know. I I worked a lot. It I started out working uh on my breath, doing these kind of holotropic uh breathing patterns and going through all this kind of transformational breath. And I honest to God did not like it. I was getting way more stressed than it. I, I nothing worked. I felt like, what am I doing here? I was completely activated. I would just be completely stressed and um. Nothing was really working until I found this type of work, the somatic, and just really being able to contain myself and to open at the same time. It's like my body, I remember the sensation of bracing myself so that it could feel braced and it didn't have to brace, if that makes any sense. So I can let go of the bracing, right? I can be supported and and not have to be able to hold myself up and be supported. And I and I ended up learning all that stuff going through the program. Let me pause cat story again
0: just for a minute to share on bracing patterns because bracing patterns are so common and I want you to understand that more And then we will hear more as Kat talks about the specific tools that became the biggest game changer for her and may become your biggest game changers. Bracing most often originates in childhood. So I often refer to and teach these as attachment bracing patterns. Bracing in our tissues is an unconscious protective response. Our bodies undertake in the face of trauma. It's a physical manifestation of our instinct to guard against threat and uncomfortable feelings coming up from our body, namely overwhelm. Anytime that we experience overwhelm as a young child, that is is a trauma. And so we brace in order to not feel that overwhelm. And that is what starts the disconnect with our body. And so many individuals experience chronic tension in their body. This can present as abdominal tension. We can have tension bracing patterns in our belly, and we can have tension patterns in our jaw. We can have tension patterns in our shoulders. We can have tension patterns in our hips. Each of these places, the the bracing pattern is protecting a former experience of overwhelm. And so symptoms like slouching, having our head and shoulders forward, a signal of collapse of the chest area, these are postures that reflect the underlying bracing patterns and the prior experiences of overwhelm that we have had. As you can imagine, if we are bracing, our breath will be affected so that when the chest is tight, like we have a bracing pattern in our shoulders and our shoulders are chronically tight and up our breath will become restricted and shallow, and you won't even notice it. And yet this type of breathing actually contributes to anxiety and panic. We can actually have bracing patterns along our spine too, and that will affect our rotation, our movement. Many people develop chronic back pain. So these are chronic bracing patterns that can be traced to prior life experiences of insecurity, and a moment where the overwhelm was so much that we braced in order to not ever feel that again. And that's how our life becomes more rigid. Because if you can imagine, if we are braced, if we're walking around bracing ourselves, we're not able to flow and express and move freely. And that's how we expand our lives and grow. If we are bracing, our life stays small and rigid. Now, as we start to work with somatic work, we will touch into these bracing patterns. And I want you to understand the power of somatic work with bracing patterns. Yes, we need to take magnesium. Yes, we need to do these other things that will actually help the muscles relax as well. But that won't be enough because the memory of overwhelm is literally embedded into these bracing patterns. I want to share with you a few people sharing what it feels like to come out of bracing patterns. At the moment when I'm recording this, I have just started a foundational journey. And every day when we meet, I ask that people drop into the chat one thing that they learned about their nervous system today. And yesterday, Maria from the foundational journey dropped this. I noticed that I hold my breath unconsciously and that when she went to even do the first exercise of the foundational journey, she started taking deeper breaths and within minutes was feeling more energized. I want to share a few other examples of you of what it feels like as people do somatic work to let these bracing patterns relax.
2: I'm very grateful for a selection of new tools to help heal my body from all that bracing. And I've been working on it a long time too. So this is just so different from anything else I've tried for my mind symptoms. And, you know, for each exercise, it feels, for me, it feels pretty easy to drop into them, or it has. Today was a little bit less that way. But so a little pivot on my intention is to, I wanted to be, uh, loosen up and be open I'm going to really try to incorporate these and integrate this into on a regular basis. The main problem I have is I'm very hypervigilant and I can function, but I'm just always bracing and always doing everything. And the third night of the journey, after group, I went out to the kitchen and was doing something, and I got this deep, deep sense of calm a very intense calm that made me cry. And on and off, since we've been doing the journey, I've felt some calm. And to me, that was a big deal. I've had chest pain for four months. And now I've only just had a couple of days with just little tweaky moments of pain, and the rest of the time no pain. Um, freer in movement, more energy, lighter, spontaneous moments of giggling, singing and dancing in the morning, or even doing the dishes. I've had a little hip wobble. (laughs) And other people have said, you look lighter. You look there's something happening, you you just seem happier in yourself and I've had moments where from anxiousness going into overwhelm that there's not the dialogue happening of nothing will help. You know, I just pick up the tools and go into the practice. And also people have started to respond differently in their exchange from their side to me. And I'm feeling the difference from my side to them. So yeah, a lot of change in one week and I'm very grateful this bracing is softening you know there's there's not there's less bracing when i'm when i'm going to express tears because i notice <gasps> the whole body before i go to express tears or certain connecting emotions and that's softening it's it's safe to
0: you've heard them say pick up the tools and go into the practice or i'm grateful for a selection of tools to help my body From all that bracing. Even noticing that we can brace when we feel tears coming because it hasn't been safe to show emotion or to cry. What tools are they talking about? What has given them these shifts in their bracing patterns and hypervigilance? Somatic work. They are referring to specific somatic exercises and they're calling those somatic tools that they're learning in the foundational journey. This became a game changer for Kat when she took her foundational journey or even just the 21 day journey, which is the first part of that foundational journey. And after breath work had not helped her with the anxiety embracing, this was what brought back hope for her. So what is somatic work? Kat, let's jump back to you. How would you describe somatic work? And as a nutritionist, what have been the insights you have learned on the nervous
1: system trauma, and food? How I would describe somatic work to someone who didn't know anything about somatic? Well, somatic soma is the body. And to me, it's uh, really just navigating the sensations of the body, being aware of the body sensations and being able to um, just be okay with the sensations in your body and really just be able to have a relationship Instead of actually trying to shove things away or numb things out, it's really forming that relationship with the body and the sensations in your body. There's so much to say around the types of foods that we choose. Uh, You know, a lot of us feel like we're either in a state that we don't want to be in. Maybe we're contracted and we're feeling small or we're feeling too heavy, right? We're wanting to have foods that may want to spark us up, lift us up. And a lot of times we choose stimulating foods that might be alcohol or um, sugar or things like that. On the other hand, foods, you know, we can be stressed out and need to kind of ground ourselves. And maybe we'll select foods that are more uh, over grounding and over contracting, or maybe those are things like heavier foods, and foods that, um, you know, depress us. The funny thing is, is that food, you know, food works for us. A food and drink, alcohol, it works. It works to create a response. But once that we metabolize whatever it is that we're eating, we're left in the same spot or somewhere worse than we came from. There's also a pattern that I see with anxiety or people needing sensations of, crunch and um activating their mouth right that I find that there's a lot of uh sensory um stimulation that a lot of people will go for you know more of the smooth and creamy when there's um, more of a kind of a, a like a sadness and when there's more of an activation I see more salty and crunchy foods it's just interesting how that there's these certain types of sensory um stimulations I and mean, you think about it the um aromas as well aromas bring us to so many i mean the quickest the olfactory region is the quickest way to the brain having an effect on the brain but if you if i even say to you right now think of a lemon a nice juicy lemon and you're cutting it open right now i mean like can you smell the lemon it's like You know, even just by imagining you could smell that lemon, it like you're, you're almost instantaneously woken up.
0: Thank you, Kat. I know we are coming to a close. What final words would you like to say? What for you has made the biggest difference in your trauma healing journey that maybe even was something that surprised you? What hopes do you have for the future, given what you have been able to change already in your life?
1: My life right now, I'm definitely, I would say, completely different when it comes to having awareness. Awareness for me has always been, you know, back burner. I've always placed the doing uh, and getting things done high, way, way high up on that list But now I can take the time to pause and become more aware. Is life perfect for me? No, it's not perfect. And it's not, this whole work is not about releasing negative thoughts or emotions and getting rid of everything. It's about being able to form a relationship, about being with them and letting them teach us something. It's not about getting rid of them. I think there's a misconception that you just enter this work and all of your troubles seem to just melt away but that's not the, that's not the case and what i do know is that so many of us uh, even some of the the world's top experts still have their issues with uh disconnecting still have their issues with feeling paralyzed with you know what they should do or you know, we all, are, we're human and that's the thing. We're, we're just all here on this planet to know more about ourselves and to learn to go through life and have experiences that we learn from. My hopes for the future are are really one to be able to be in the now much more often than I am. I mean, it's definitely, I'm in the now way more, but I'd like to be more present even further. And I think that that's something that I just always will have a small struggle with because I I, I do have that activated sense of myself. Um, but I am so happy knowing that I'm on the path. And the other part of it is that I can help Other people do the same thing, really. And just, I feel like my language is so much more, um, kind of geared around this approach and I'm able to explain things at a higher level to people. So it really resonates and, um, just really to be able to introduce this, this type of work to more of my clients so that they can too experience, um, themselves differently and and have a solid relationship with, um, not only their bodies, but the sensations that they're going through. Thank you
0: for sharing your story, Kat. That takes courage. And I appreciate your openness about the insights you have learned and now taking what you have learned, the changes you've experienced and sharing that with others. And for you, the listener, I want to highlight the stages of the trauma healing journey that we just heard in Kat's story. These are the same stages for every healing journey. And so you can recognize where you are on this journey, in which stage are you? So here are the stages. One, she became aware that her life was headed in a direction she did not want. Two, she became open. As she came across information about the biology of trauma, she was finally open to things she would not have been open to before. Stage two, we become open. Stage three is learning and now we're actively learning. Now we're seeking it out. We are learning, but that's not where we can leave it. And so stage four is implementing. We've got to take that information and implement or else it will never help us heal. So stage four is implementing, but again, we can't stay there because what we implement for ourselves, we need to share with others. And so she became a mentor she went through my mentor training program after she completed her foundational journey, became a mentor to help others go through the same journey. So we implement, and then we share with others, but it also can't stop there. And so stage six, she got into community. She, we get into a community where we are a peer. It doesn't count if you are in a community where you are the teacher or you are the professional no, this needs to be a community where you are a peer. And so she joined the professionals community, a small group that went all the way through the mastery-level professional training with me in the biology of trauma. And this is what has given her more meaning in her work and continued personal growth. So those are the stages that we go through. Now, in the show notes. I have a number of things. I have how to have a one-on-one biology of trauma health coaching session with Kat. I also have my guide on the steps to identify and heal trauma. And this will give you a guide on where to start. We'll talk about somatic work and lots more. And then I have two things that will help with bracing patterns. If you recognize that, yep, I've got bracing patterns, you will want to do these things as well as the foundational journey and the somatic work you will want to go to the store, my online store, and get the magnesium and the double-weighted neck scarf. There's information there on how and why those help, but that has been a game-changer for so many people for bracing patterns, especially in our shoulders. And then you may have remembered from Kat's story that she grew up with an alcoholic father, and I have a YouTube video on the adult children of alcoholic parents. Now, I made this video not because I grew up in an alcoholic family, but because I have the same traits as people who grew up with alcoholic parents. And so I would want you to watch that video just to see, do you too also have those traits, whether or not that is your background, but it's a sign of insecurity and overwhelm and fear that we experienced in early childhood. I'm Dr. Amy, your host for this Biology of Trauma podcast. Please take a minute to visit the show notes and drop a comment for this episode so I can know how this story resonated for you. Until next episode, sending you lots of love. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe. We definitely will learn, laugh, and sometimes cry together on this healing journey, and you won't want to miss an episode give my podcast five stars, share it with a friend or colleague. If you felt an impact as it truly helps get the word out and breaking the paradigm of how we do trauma work. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Until then, this is your host, Dr. Amy, sending you lots of love.